All right, well, we're going to just have our speaker, our associate pastor, Josh Lamb, is going to take hey. it from here. Let's just pray for him, Josh. We just, God, we just bless Josh. We just thank you for the word that you've put in his heart. Lord, we receive it, and we just uh, ask that you would move how you want in this service. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, just so you know ahead of time, this is a Holy Ghost. I'm not into weird things. It's a... It's, a, it's a, just in case you saw it and wondered. It's got a halo. Uh, my friend was made that to like try to reach out to skaters. Um, just don't want you thinking weird things like as this goes on. Uh, I'd rather not have to have a weird conversation. Um, which is like half of my conversations are weird conversations. Um, I'm really excited to get to share with you guys. I'm a little nervous about it. Um, not because I'm nervous about public speaking, but... I just feel like it's kind of an intense message. Um, so uh, prepare for some intensity, uh, but maybe intensity looks different when it comes out of my mouth. Um, I just have this, I, want, I also wanna say this, that this message isn't because I've been hanging out with you and thought, oh my gosh, they need this message so bad. Um, it's more that when I've been praying, trying to figure out, Lord, what do you want to share? Like, I really don't ever want to get up and say anything unless the Lord wants something to be said. Like, I don't just want you guys to have to listen to somebody talk. Um, but I felt like this is the message that he put in my heart, so it's what I'm gonna share. And um, the emphasis really is just, if I had to sum it up, is that I would, my desire is that you follow Jesus. Like, that you uh, fully give yourself to him and fully follow him. Um, I, w I wanna read, I, none of this is gonna be up there because um, I'm not sure exactly which ones we're gonna, but I wanna read Mark 8, 31 through 38. Uh, I can read it, you can read it, you can write it down, and, and, um, but Mark 8, 31 through 38. Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days, he would rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? What can a man give in return for his soul? Whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Jesus just says that he's gonna go and, and give up his life and that if anybody wants to follow him, because at that point there was a pretty big crowd following him, he said that if anybody wants to follow me, and Luke says that he also adds the word daily, that you need, you must take up your cross daily, deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow him. And that if you try to save your life, if you try to hold on to any bit of it, you'll lose your life. 
but that if you're willing to lose your life for Jesus and for the sake of the gospel, that you will actually then receive life. And, and, and just keep, keep in mind, like what I said before, is that every passage I read is just encouraging. I don't have like a lot of commentary in between some of these verses. It's a little different. Like it's like a, a lot of times I'm just like very lighthearted, but I feel like it's kind of heavy just to be like, everything I'm saying is so that you like receive that emphasis to give yourself fully. Like that there's no day for a Christian where you go, okay, well, I was all in on the Lord yesterday and today I'm gonna be like 90%. Like, and, and, I, and again, this, I'm saying this because it's not like I've been hanging out with you and be like, man, she is just not giving her life to the Lord fully. Like it's not, it's not specific, so I'm just thinking this is probably something the Lord wants to do in our body because twofold, one, we're gonna see some amazing things pretty soon. Like we're anticipating revival, we're anticipating people coming to the Lord and like real discipleship. So there's part of that, like I don't want you to miss out on that by not being fully, fully with Jesus. But then the other part is you're, it's just, it's, it's missing out for you. Like if you're not fully in, then like you're missing the sweetness of having like that, that relationship with Jesus. Um, Luke 14. It's a weird concept just to read a lot of scripture. Um, Great crowds were accompanying Jesus and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father, this is a good baby dedication uh, message. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. That's a pretty intense statement. Jesus doesn't actually mean like you have to hate, like that you should treat your mom with hatred or that you should hate your own life and be like, I don't even wanna live. He's not talking about that. He's talking about in comparison to these things, you're not holding them, like you, it's almost like you hate them. If anyone comes to me and does not do this with father, mother, wife, children, brothers and sisters, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross, it's that phrase again, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has, has enough money to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends off a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Mark 10, 28 through 31 says, kind of, there's Peter, Jesus just finished talking to the rich man and Peter says, God, like he told him that you have to sell everything and that's not the point of this message, trying to convince you that you have to sell everything to follow Jesus. But he just finishes telling this rich man, you have to sell everything and give it to the poor. It's what's required of you. And Peter says, haven't we left everything to follow you? And Jesus said, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house, who's left, who has given up house, brothers, sisters, mother, father, or children, or land for my sake and for the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and land, with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. 
there's just, I'm trying to describe the intensity of Jesus says, if you want to follow me, it has to be everything to you, and there's no partially following me. Like, if you want that to be the case, like, you have to be willing, you lose your life if you try to hold on to it. And I, I don't know if you've experienced this, but there's times where God tells you to do something, and you do it, and there's blessing. That's really just how it works. Um, but then there's, sometimes there's opposition, and there's, there's reasons that you could probably justify to people around the world and in the church to why you wouldn't do it. Like, maybe it's like a calling God put on your life, and you're like, well, I would go do that, but, like, we have kids, and obviously we're not going to take their kids away from their grandparents. Or you're like, I would do that, except, um, obviously, that's like, I, I have, like, four more years till retirement, and so there's no way that God could be calling me to do that because, and, and he almost set these things in place ahead of time to be like, he can't do that. Like he doesn't have every area of your life. I'm not telling you not to retire. I just, um, I just feel this a lot, this intensity to say, like he wants you to be all, all the way there, all the way there because it's not your life anymore. That's, in 1 Corinthians, that's, he's talking about, it's, it's a talk about um, sexuality and sexual sin and sexual immorality, but in it, Paul says in 1 Corinthians six seventeen, if you join yourself to the Lord, you become one spirit with him. So flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but sexually immoral person sins against his own body. And this phrase, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Well, even going back to the previous passage where um, Jesus says, you have to deny yourself and follow me, and he says, who would, who would build a building? Like, I want you to count the cost ahead of time, because who would build a building, and then, like, halfway through, you realize you ran out of money. He's like, everyone's gonna mock, they're gonna mock you. And he's doing this in, in re reference to the idea of you giving your life to him and following him. He's saying, I want you to understand this, that it's something that you need to see. The idea of like, is completion. You're gonna see this to completion. So that if you say, because again, it's not a hardship, like it's a blessing to come and, and to be saved by him and be filled with his spirit and to live life in his kingdom. But there's a part where he says, I don't want you to start and be like, oh, I love Jesus so much and I'm giving him everything, and then four years down the road, or 40 years down the road, you're like, uh, and you just, you fall off. And you don't, I mean, I know you don't want that. That's, again, this isn't, it's, I don't feel like it's, I don't wanna overcomplicate it. You don't want that. But I feel like it's what he's saying to us. Even in the prophetic word I shared a few weeks ago, the, one of the phrases was, I want you well enough to run the whole race, not just part of it. And so following Jesus isn't just something where you're like, I could try that, I could do that for a few years. It's like you're, you're joining with him forever. And the idea is, again, to completion. And you're, I think part of it is just, Paul said something a few weeks ago in a staff meeting about kind of what was permissible in previous seasons is, is not acceptable anymore. And he wasn't talking about sin. Like it, we, sin's never permissible, right? Paul was talking about the things that we're going to, going to go see, the things that the Lord's taking us to. He's calling us higher. There are things in our life that we're even like okay to be doing, but, weren't, but aren't gonna be okay in the next season. 
because he's calling us higher. He's, he's wanting to show us different things, and there's things we can't hold on to anymore where you're, when you're, that Jesus is gonna ask you to lay down when he says, like, you lay down everything. And talking about, Paul says, Paul the apostle, says, you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. I know this is a lot of reading. Um, in Philippians 1, 19, Paul says, I know that through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body. That same phrase, honor Christ with your body. I know that Christ will be always honored in my body, whether by life or by death, because to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. My desire, I'm hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and to be with Christ, for that is far better. I'm gonna skip down to verse 27. Let your, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I'm an, I am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Again, he, the phrase keeps coming out when he said, if you give up your, your life for me and for my gospel, then you'll save your life. And here he says, I want, my hope is that I find you guys striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. It has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake engaged in the same conflict that you saw that I had and now hear, hear that I still have. Even before, back in Mark 10, when he said, if anybody gives up a house and brothers and mothers and sisters and property, God will give that back to you a hundred times in this life and, in the, and, and eternal life in the age to come, but you'll also receive persecution it's a weird sort of promise to be like, if you give everything up for me, you're gonna get eternal life, rewards in this, this life, and persecution. And then Paul says the same thing, it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. And when Paul, or, or any of the authors of the Gospels, because it's in Matthew, um, Mark, and Luke, the idea of take up, when he says you have to take up your cross daily, you have to deny yourself and follow me. Taking up your cross is the idea of, it is crucifixion language. It's saying, you're gonna die to yourself. And it's the way I start my day a lot of times in prayer is being like, God, today I'm taking, the way I'm starting my day is I'm taking up my cross, I'm giving you everything. I'm saying that today, this today, today is fully yours. And I'm not gonna be like, you know, I, I, again, like I said, I gave you my yesterday, I worked really hard last week, today's a me day. Like there's not a, which is weird, sometimes in ministry, you'll be like, my job's ministry, and then you have, a, you have a day off, and you're like, do I not spend time with the Lord now because it's my day off, and that's part of my work, and you're like, no. Um, but it's actually, you have been granted, it's a gift to you that you would also suffer with Jesus, not just believe in him. Second um, Corinthians 11, two through four, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth and he says, I feel a divine jealousy for you since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. 
He's talking to the church. I prom- like he, he introduced them to Jesus, and he said, I promised you guys as a pure bride to Jesus, the bridegroom. I feel a jealousy over that, but I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it. You shouldn't put up with it, that's what he's saying. Um, I'm just gonna pause for a second. I know it's, it's not like my favorite way to give a sermon. I've preached a lot of sermons in my life, and this one I kept prepping and being like, Lord, I don't know, I just, I'm gonna trust that this is what you want for us, that somebody needs to hear um, or receive encouragement to give themselves fully to Jesus. Because I don't know, I can't, like this is, this is the thing is that um, some people have discernment of spirits, I guess, or discernment, like great discernment. I'm not saying I don't have discernment, but the truth is you can lie to me. You can lie to me. We can hang out and you can say like, I love Jesus so much. I just like all I want is what he wants. You can post pictures of you reading the Bible. Like you can, you can, post, you can post a picture of a toothbrush. You know, it doesn't mean you're brushing your teeth. Usually somebody finds out. <laughs> the way you find out someone hasn't been brushing their teeth is you're talking to them. Uh, and it's, you know, but you have to be really close, and I'm not getting that close to you guys. Um, I just mean, you can lie to me. You can lie to me. You can kind of lie to the world. You can, you can just talk about it, but, but only Jesus knows, and only you really know, and, and I don't know the convictions of your heart. Like, I know where God convicts me and says, like, this is an area that maybe you're holding back right, or like he's, I know that for me, but I don't know that for you, and I don't wanna try to figure it out. I don't wanna try to figure out each and every person's part where they're holding back, so only you can really know if like there's any conviction in the message that you're like, I, I don't feel like I'm fully in, like he doesn't fully have every part of me, or, so I'm, I'm not trying to put that conviction on you, I just want to read, because what's really important to me, like again, I said, I want you to be, able to step into what we're about to step into as a church. Like there's things, like there's certain callings, like even the biblical qualifications for an elder, there's a list that's like, you have to be above reproach. There's not an expectation that you're actually perfect and you never struggle with anything, but it's like, these things can't be following your life. Like you don't, and, and Paul says this, I think, let me see if I'm saying it the right way. Um, you, you don't have to be like that to come to Jesus. You don't have to get right and then come to Jesus. Like you come to Jesus first and that's part of the process, right? But, but there has to be a commitment to saying, there, at, there, at no point will I push back against you, Jesus. At no point am I gonna say like, you can not touch that area of my life or you can't ask that of me. Because when you give up your life, your life's not your own and so that anything he asks or requires, that's, that's what you're committing to. And so I think it's good for people to know what you're getting into. But really, the bigger part is, is if you're not living that way, then there's like some kind of separation between you and the Lord, and you're missing out on like fullness, the fullness of intimacy with Jesus. Because that's my, oh man, this gets so weird. Um, you don't know what I'm about to read, but I do. Uh, the importance of you fully knowing God, fully knowing God, and then the importance of him fully knowing you. And my fear, again, this isn't an accusation towards you, is that there are a lot of Christians who 
Jesus has no idea who they are. They'd be like, I know Jesus, and he would say, I don't know who you are. And a lot of churches even who think that they're churches and God's like, I don't recognize you as a church. I don't recognize what's happening. Nothing, nothing that you're doing looks like my kingdom. Like even if you read Revelation, he, he's writing to really powerful churches and says, you guys are doing all this so well. I do have this against you. I don't wanna live a way where he goes, I have this against you. I wanna be where we're like holy and consecrated and fully all in and there's nothing that he goes, I wanna prune this. Like when, um, was it Jason reading that? Saying, I, I wanna prune you and you go, okay, it's painful, but let's do it. Because, and you don't get to go like, no. Like, like if, you, what if, if you've ever tried to cut like a dog's nails, you know, like, but, and they can fight you, but a tree, a tree doesn't get to do that. You don't try to go trim it. It's like, yeah. Um, the weird story I'm gonna read, the weird story I'm gonna read, and again, I can't, I'm not trying to make you feel convicted. I just think we make, I just think we make a lot of room for each other to hold back. And I'm, I'm not, trying to lift myself up, I'm just, but I can say that this is a message that we've lived out, like Tristan and I, like we've, you know, we've made decisions to, to leave everything. Like when we left Pennsylvania, it was leaving all of our friends, it was leaving the entire network we had from doing music, it was the entire network we had from doing ministry, it was every connection and just going and being with family. And then when we left there, we were like, it was nice, it was nice. I don't know, if you have kids and you have family around, that's a serious blessing. It's, a, it's beautiful to have that relationship being built and it's beautiful to have built-in babysitting. Like, so good, so good. babysitting. Um, <laughs> but when the Lord calls you to do something, you, you go do it. And so we left that too, to be here. And we feel like missionaries here, we feel like, you know, Again, this wasn't for, I wasn't saying that to, to, to pat ourselves on the back. I'm just saying I'm not preaching it without having lived it where I, I don't think there's anything that we're holding on to. Um, I feel like I can share this out of a pure conscience. Um, the story I either wanna read or just tell you, maybe I'll just tell you because I've read a lot. Um, Acts 19, 11 through 20. All right, well, so Paul, I'm just gonna read that first verse. The Apostle Paul was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, and God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even, and this is weird, even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched Paul's skin were being carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. That's insane. That's awesome. There's times when people go like, where's, like something happens, the Lord does something, and you're like, where's that in the Bible? And I'm like, we, listen, weird stuff happens. Like this, this idea, that wasn't before, that didn't happen before, it didn't happen after. It was just like, this is what's happening. We're taking these and we're touching them and then people are getting healed and demons are getting cast out. But then there are some itinerant Jewish exorcists. Um, they were, some of you know the story, I can tell. Because uh, you're like, hmm, <laughs> uh, Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Siva. That's them. Right, so what happens is they try to cast out a, a, a demon, and this is what they say. I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. So they're saying to this demon, I, I come out in the name of Jesus that Paul proclaims. 
it's not, it's not the name they proclaim. It's the name of Jesus because I imagine they've been seeing what happens when Paul prays. Um, and so the demon responds, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leapt on them, mastered them, overpowered them, and they fled out of that house naked and wounded. It's a good story. Um, but see, this is, there's a huge difference between saying, I know who Jesus is, and I, I, can, I know some things he's done, and then there's a difference between like you in Jesus and Jesus in you. So that if, if, if somebody said, Jesus, do you know Ruth Martini? Jesus would be like, of course I knew Ruth Martini. Like, and a demon would, would leave. There would be, so this is a part of this thing, when you just try to use Jesus, but you don't have a relationship with Jesus. It ends up being a good story because the whole naked and wounded part leads to um, fear and reverence, reverence for Jesus' name, and people come to the center of the city, and they're giving their lives, and they're bringing books, like dark arts, dark magic books, and burning them, and it was worth millions of dollars, and the whole city is like, so it's good stuff. Like, it ultimately resulted, not for the exorcist, but for the, um, for the Lord. And then there's another passage in Matthew 7, 21 through 23, where Jesus says, uh, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Isaiah 29, 13 says, these people draw near to me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So in the first story, you have people who don't know Jesus, who have no relationship with Jesus. They're not, they have no relationship with Jesus, trying to use Jesus to accomplish their own goals, even if they're good goals. And then in the next story, you have, or the ne next story, in the next passage, you have Jesus saying, at judgment day, there will be people who said, we prophesied in your name, we cast out demons in your name, we did miraculous works in your name, and Jesus will say, I never knew you. How's that work? Because he says, only people who do the will of my Father in heaven, but isn't prophecy, isn't casting out demons, isn't miracles, isn't that the will of the Father in heaven? So how is it then that he says, I never knew you? And I think, that it, I, I feel this urge then to, to let the Lord search me because it's about relationship. It's not being like, what happens is you don't go, oh, I went on the outreach with like City Streets Outreach and I cast out a demon by like the name of Jesus. Like it actually came out and then you go, I'm good. And then, and then that's it. And you, pursue, you no longer pursue relationship with Jesus and you're just like, I hope now that, you know, then you spend the next 60 years doing whatever you wanna do and you get there and you're like, hey. And he's like, I'm not sure I know who you are. Because again, it's not just about saying a prayer one time and being like, am I in? Am I not in? And it's not about trying to ask the question and being like, well, I said it. So I do wanna say this one. I want this idea, this topic, to be something that's like of great seriousness, but not of great stress, right? I don't want you, I'm not trying to present a stress where you're like, am I even saved? Does he know me? When the judgment day comes, will he say, I never knew you? But I do think there's a seriousness to it to say like, he expects me to be fully in 
He expects me daily to, like there's not a day I push back. He expects that I'm constantly, see the thing is it's on us. You probably get this as you get older. Um, I'll give you a practical example. Um, so I lost like 30 pounds this year, which maybe isn't, all I, I just knew that I was, I was buying bigger clothes and then my bigger clothes weren't fitting. And I was like, I don't have money to buy another set of bigger clothes. Um, and we had someone, we had Gina over for dinner the other night, Gina and Mike Miller, and she was like trying to ask why I wore big clothes. <laughs> I was like, I think it's that. So that I'll buy a shirt and, and I'll be like, Trista, this fits, but what if I get heavy again? And she's like, are you planning on getting heavy again? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. So like, but what I was, but there was something, basically, I just started realizing that I could eat whatever I wanted. And like, there were most days that I would have like a second of something. Well, every day. I would have seconds of something every day. And then it'd be like, the kids are down. That was stressful. And I'd be like, let's eat, it's either ice cream or popcorn or whatever every night. And I just like, I can do this. And it wasn't, I wasn't trying to be rebellious. But then I like, you know, my pants started, like I would have to unbutton them to like just feel good, like or to feel like I could breathe. And that was happening a lot. And I started realizing that nobody was going to stop me from doing that. Like I was like, oh, I think this is how being an adult works. I mean, is that I can keep eating this and no one's forcibly, no one's forcibly going to come and take the ice cream away from me and say like, stop, stop, you can't do that, right? And I, and it, but it was real, and I was like, because I would, even like I'd go out for friends with lunch, go out with friends for lunch, and I just, I never want to order something healthy. Like, I never do. I'm like, I can make that at home usually. It's like a salad, and I'm like, I can reach into the bag of spinach and like put it in a bowl and put some cheese on it. I can do that. But this, this cheesesteak, because we, yeah, or this whatever, I, can, I can't make that. I don't know how to cook, and so I'd eat it. But anyway, I'm just saying that because... I started realizing that I was unfit. Uh, I was gaining weight. I wasn't feeling good. And that the only way it would change is if I took ownership of that. And so then that's what happened. And I spent months. I think the Sunday that we came here, I was like, hey, I finally hit my weight, like my, our visiting Sunday. So, But I didn't do it for you guys. I, I didn't know I was coming. Um, <laughs> but I say this to, the same with spirituality is... The, the ownership of your faith is on you. Like, we can do things in community. The, the stuff that Paul shares, like, the last few weeks, community is a huge aspect to be able to call each other higher and be like, hey, I noticed you weren't here, or, like, would you, do you want to get together and read the Word together? Do you want to fast together? Do you want to pray together? Do you want to go share our faith together? Like, I heard, you know, Daphne, you said that the other day to somebody. You're like, we're going to this concert. Should we, like, write them words and share our faith with them? And, you know, it's like, that's... You can, you can push each other, you can sharpen each other. But it's sort of like in sports where the same is like you have an off season, it's up to you to stay in shape in the off season, right? Or, or throughout the week, it's up to you to take care of your body. And so that's how, that's how it is here too. So that we can, we can be a powerful body together, but the, the part of like you growing in your faith, is, that's on you. It's on you to strengthen yourself in the Lord. It's on you to go away to your prayer closet and spend time with him. It's on me to fan into flame like the gifts that God has given me. It's not on me to for wait for you to be like, Josh, I think you have a gift. Come on, man, like really go for it. Like we can do that for each other, but it's not an excuse because somebody hasn't done that for you. Right? Or somebody hasn't been like, I just think you're not really fully devoted. 
Like only you know that. And, and so that's my encouragement is to say, uh, to not be known as people that we're like, our words are one way and then our actions are another. And the Lord is like, man, they talk a lot about me, but I, I can't remember the last time they talked with me. Just that, that last passage that is Matthew 25. It's the parable of the, the ten virgins. And you probably maybe have heard this story, but there's, there's, there's a bride, there's a wedding, and there's a bridegroom coming. And, and what would happen is the bride, the, the bridesmaids, I guess, so to speak, would kind of be sitting out waiting at the gate for the bridegroom to come. And when he came, then they would go together to go get the bride, and then they would go enter the feast together and celebrate. And so in this parable, um, they're waiting, they're waiting. There's 10 virgins. I don't know why they're virgins. They are, um, there's 10 of them, and they all have oil to keep their lamps ready so that when he comes, day or night, they're ready, and they can, they can walk together and walk that path and have it lit up. Five of them brought extra oil, and five of them brought, I don't, I don't wanna say they didn't bring enough oil, it's just they didn't bring enough because it says that the bridegroom in his coming, he was delayed. Like there was probably a time, a set expectation that he's coming at this time, and then he didn't come at that time. And so, and they all fell asleep. Falling asleep wasn't a bad thing in the story. They just all fell asleep. But what happens is in the middle of the night, they say, here comes the bridegroom, and five of them don't have enough oil left, and five of them still do, like enough extra, because again, he was delayed in coming. And so they ask for, to borrow their oil, and they say no, and then go get your own, and they leave to go get their own, and while they leave, the bridegroom returns, and the, only the five who are, are ready with lamps get to go in with him. They go, they go into the, that feast together. And then the other five come back. They went and got oil, and they come back, and he says the same kind of phrase, I never knew you. And then he's talking about his return, his like second coming. And he says, be watchful because you don't know the day or the hour that I'm coming back. And so again, this, this, this thing of having enough oil, that's on each and every one of us to be like, an oil being like, we ask the question like, what is, what's oil? I think it's like the passion of your heart. It's relationship. It's like, if you knew that Jesus was coming back in 11 months, like if he's coming back next October, you'd probably start to like shape your life a certain way and be like, I wanna make sure that by the time he comes back, we're good. But the thing is, you don't know that he's coming back in 11 months. And a lot of us, at least me, I think I tend to think of like, this is where we're going. When I die, hopefully Jesus, like when I get to eternity, hopefully Jesus will say, hey, good job, come on in. But the reality is, a lot of the New Testament says he's coming soon, and he's coming back. And he's like, there's a, there's a passage that says, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith in the earth? And you don't have time when he comes back to go, all right, hold on, let's go get, my, let's go get some oil. There's just, it's too late. And the, it's not, I would just, I wanna say this one more time. That would be terrible to miss, to miss that. But it's also terrible to miss like an entire life of living in intimacy with God because you're not like, you're not ready now. It's not like we have zero intimacy with God and we're just hoping to die so we can finally experience goodness. This is all available now, and the only thing stopping us usually is just us not tending to that fire, 
not going out and getting oil already, not spending time with him, not committing to him, with like holding things back from him. And again, it's kind of a weird sermon, I know. Um, thanks, Ruth. It's not the kind of message I want to share all the time or in the way I want, I want to share a message, but just one last verse, just one verse. Isaiah 55, five through six. This is my encouragement to you, and it's the Lord's encouragement to you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Can we have someone play for just a minute? I don't know. If you don't know how to play keyboard, you could just, oh, Lauren, you can play guitar? Look at Lauren. Guys, Lauren did so great today. The team looked different. Stephen was supposed to be leading, and then he's dealing with kidney stones this morning. And so, actually, let's just stop and pray for Stephen. Jesus, we just ask you to touch his body, completely heal him. God, completely, just full relief in his body. God, he means so much to us as a family. We thank you for the worship he brings. Just healing him, in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys just stand with me for a second. I just want to leave room, like as we close. Um, if you want to respond to that, that we'll invite you to be able to come forward and to, to pray. Um, if you feel like there's I mean, one, if you've never given your life to Jesus in the first place, this would be a good time to do that. Um, and if you are here and you're like, I have definitely been withholding. He doesn't have, he hasn't had all of me. And I know that. There's no shame and condemnation for it. The good news is you can draw near, he's here. You can call on him while he's here. He, he, he can be found right now. So I just want to leave that room for that, um, to be able to respond and say, Jesus, I'm giving, I'm taking up my cross. I'm giving you all of me. So let's just take a second for that. You can also do it in your seat, but if you want to pray, if you come forward, we'll have someone um, who can pray with you. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to search us. If there's anything that needs to be changed, that's you, I invite you to come forward, to pray, to dedicate yourself, to present yourself fully to Jesus. Again, great seriousness, not great stress. Lord Jesus, we give you ourselves. We want to be a people who are and devoted as a bride to you, the bridegroom. 
God, whether we live or die, we want you to be honored. Jesus, I thank you for this body. I thank you for the privilege and the high calling of being your friend, for the privilege of believing in you and the privilege of getting to suffer for your sake. God, I pray that we wouldn't wriggle back against pruning, against discipline, or against suffering. And Jesus, we bless you as being worth it all and setting the example for us. Jesus, we just anticipate and thank you ahead of time for the purity that exists in this body, for the new people that are coming, for the new souls that are gonna be saved and brought in. God, we pray that discipleship, fully committed discipleship, God, would be one of the trademarks of this body, Jesus. We give you all the glory. In your son's name, amen. Thank you, Josh. Thank you for that word. Just want to encourage you. You know, I just got a picture of a house. It's like sometimes we let the Lord into our house, but we don't unlock every room. You know, it's like, don't go in the bedroom. We cleaned up just the living space. But we just want to encourage you. Let God in every area of your life, every door, every door. So we want to invite you to come up if you need prayer. We want to pray for you. If not, we just bless you. Have an amazing week. May God's peace, his love, his joy be with you. And um, may you give it away. Bless you. Remember, there's uh, Ethan back at the Resource Center if you want to reach out to him and just say hi to him. And um, we will see you guys next week.